2: Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
3: It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman.
4: The Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig Hoffman. He is Logan Paulson we're up we're at least getting caffeinated logan on a wednesday morning <laughs> and we are ready to go for a film review of one of the ugliest football games i feel like i say that every week but like this was genuinely especially the first half one of the ugliest football games that I, I, i'm i haven't talked to you about it yet because uh, you've been on you've been on holiday holiday uh, but but now that you're back um we, I'm assuming this is one of the ugliest halves of football you've ever seen in your entire life because it's one of the ugliest halves of football that any of us have ever seen in our entire lives.
3: Well, it's weird because, like, you know, when you watch – I only watch the L22, and you're kind of like, what's going on in this game? And then I had to watch, like, a like a recap. You know, like, they do those 15-minute recaps on yeah. YouTube. The NFL does, and you're like, holy cow. You know, you got a punt blocked. You got an interception early. You got all this change of possession. Change, like, you got a fumble on a kickoff, you know, a, a punt return. Then you get – um a fumble recovery by the defense and you get it just was like this crazy kind of what could go wrong will go wrong and it wasn't like it happened over the course of the first half it was like the first two series there was interception and then there was the punt block or maybe two yeah. maybe three series so that was just kind of crazy and you know i'm checking the updates on my phone while i'm walking around with my family and you're like man it's 27 to seven and a half like what's going on in this game so uh, definitely a lot going on that i feel like um you know was a little a little bit outside of like the players control and the coaches control like when you get game flow situations like that you're going to get crazy scores like that and uh and it was just you know i think i called you right after i called you the next day and it was you were like everything that could have happened happened in this game and i feel like it's a yeah. very a uh, very good description of what was going on.
4: I mean, in the first half for Washington, and we'll obviously talk mostly about the quarterback stuff coming up in just a moment. In the first half for Washington, you had the the interception off of Logan Thomas's helmet. Um, you had guys slipping all over the place, which we'll talk about specifically with Sam in a moment. You had the let's give up an explosive play in the run game to Brees Hall. Yeah. And then on special teams, I had this in my notes from first and 10 from, from my show. They had a blocked punt, Pringle muffed a kickoff, uh, which cost them... Mega field position. I missed you then, the,
3: that. didn't even show up in my recap. The muff, the muff uh, kick yeah, out. That's crazy. And, and so they,
4: were, they were inside the 15-yard line or whatever because okay. like, Byron muffed the, the catch and then picked it up and didn't get very far. Uh, you had the fumbled punt, which is one of the wackiest plays you'll ever see from Jamison. Yeah. He tries to switch hands. And I, th- I definitely think the ball was slick. Like, there was something Maybe. going on. Simeon had an issue. Like, multiple guys had issues holding on to the ball. Um, but either way, can't happen. Um, and James is going to be the first guy to tell you that. Uh, so you have that wacky bit off a 30-yard return that looked like it might be the thing that changed the game in your direction, right. by the way. Um, Christian Holmes does what I is my least favorite penalty in all of football, which is it's a punt. You have three people to seven people sometimes standing around it, and the guy who touches it down is the guy who was out oh, of bounds for an illegal touch. They he was like, that. literally, every if you don't touch the football, the referee blows the whistle. You were the guy that's out of bounds. So Christian Holmes had that penalty. And then the absolute, even sillier than that, by a lot, um, is Tariq Castro-Fields is lined up as a gunner on a fourth and three, and in order to get a good punch, he tries to anticipate the snap, and he jumps off sides, and he gives the Jets a free first down, which which leads to their final score of the half. That was all special teams into the first half. That is just absolutely crazy
3: that's bonkers yeah i mean the illegal touching one's crazy i mean that's stuff you review quite a bit i mean i remember being in meetings and going over that rule at nauseam but sometimes guys don't know that they stepped out of bounds um you know it's like the really good ones the really aware experienced guys like the matthew slaters are like i've stepped out of bounds someone else please touch the ball and then the offside thing is you know it's kind of borderline inexcusable Uh, i mean like it's Especially in that kind of down and distance, when you're playing yeah. gunner, I know you're trying to make a play, but better error, error on the side of caution there, especially yeah. given the game situation. So, I mean, like just list- listening through that, it's just like it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable that the game was even close. Honestly, you know, you gave right. up. What is that? That's two. That's two changes of possession. Uh, a terrible field position. Two, yeah, yeah. You have
4: two two special teams turnovers plus costly penalties plus another field position snafu and the the muffed kick.
3: Right, I mean that's unbelievable. You want to know
4: why you're able to to have a competitive game? Because the Jets committed 14 <laughs> penalties for 150 yards. They had two different points in two separate drives. These are not consecutive plays. At one point, they had a second and 40. I saw and a that. Third and 28.
3: Yeah, I saw that. And, and they was... won
4: the football game.
3: Yeah, and 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 the Commanders came back. Like the whole thing was cr- it's just a crazy football game and. Um, I think this is one of the things you're dealing. And you know, I, I will say this: like to to the team's credit, like good job sticking with it. Like it would have been yeah. so easy, given the season, given the situation, just be like, you know what, I'm done. This has been fun. Like it's 27 to seven. I've had a good time. I'm just going to play this one out. I'm good. Yeah, we're going to park the season. bus. Yeah, and they didn't. And good for them, man. Because like everything in this season, I've been a part of. Like I think back to 2011. Everything is there for you. To just be like, you know what? This has been fun. I've, I've had a good time. We can move on. I can play for next week. But great job battling back. And unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you want to look at it, they don't get the W. And uh, but I do think you see a team that has not quit on Ron, which is they've had every opportunity to do that. So I think that's kind of uh, kind yeah. of remarkable in some ways. You'd
4: wish they. You'd wish that maybe there was a uh, less quit early. Well, it's not even quit at that point. It's like, it's there's more be, investment early. It's like, why do you have to mistakes. be down? Yeah, like, yeah, can don't we focus from go? But,
3: catastrophic mistakes. But I guess you got a young guy, you got a, you know, Burgess on the punt team who misses a block. And it's, I don't know how long he's been doing that because I don't watch, hey, to break it to you, fans, don't watch a ton of punt coverage when I'm yeah. doing the film breakdowns. But I feel like that's a relatively new position for him. But I also
4: feel, it's relatively new since he took over for Reeves. I mean, right. he's been doing it since Jeremy guess, went yeah. out. But it's
3: also like, I think that that's how, like, I, I don't
4: feel like he, he wasn't focused. I just feel like he missed a block. Yeah. And, and the same way that like, AG missed that block last week, right? Like, yeah. your, maybe your technique's not solid, but, like, they clearly teach get a hit and get out. Yeah. Um, And he didn't get a good hit, and so he, they gave up a block punt. That sucks.
3: And then you get Jamison Crowder, like, a classic over-trying situation. You know, he's just trying yeah. too hard. Like, go down at the first contact and uh and they are huge plays in the game and you can't win football games and you turn the football over like that like really i mean it that's so that's so like high level analysis but it's true if you're a team that's struggling offensively you're kind of finding some type of identity defensively you can't be giving them all this positive like it was crazy watching the all 22 and you come to a play and you're like they're on the 10 yard line like how did that happen they're on the 15 yard line like what the heck's going on here and they're gonna like I don't care how bad your offense is, you're gonna score points at that point. So,
4: right, and the Jets had barely score. I think they had one first quarter touchdown all year, and right. the Commanders like gift them multiple ones. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a disaster uh, for sure.
5: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
0: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
4: Which brings us to the quarterback play. Uh, and maybe I think this is going to be an interesting discussion that will surprise people. Um, maybe in a good way. Maybe people will be like, no i think what i think and that's typically how it goes but um when you go back and you watch the quarterback play and you look at sam howell's day a day that he goes six of 22 for 56 yards throws two interceptions neither of which i think are his fault uh you'll be able to chime in on that in a moment and has the worst quarter worst qbr i've literally ever seen i've never seen a 1.7 qbr on espn's quarterback metric um, but that's all based off the stats when you when you actually watch like what went wrong for him how did this happen
3: yeah i mean and, and again, i'm not trying to like make an excuse i'm just like making an observation when you watch the film on the first 5 plays someone's either dropping a pass or falling down in a route and he can't throw the football cuz the guy that he's trying to throw the football to and and, and, I, and i've seen guys make these throws and they lead to picks and interceptions so like he's got Logan Thomas on a choice and he slips And the guy's breaking on the football. And it's like the whole reason that route works is because my big body's in the way of this defender coming through and you've slipped. So now I got to bring the ball down, got to reset my feet. And I don't think he's at a place in his career, you know, where he can just kind of, oh, I'm going to hit the comeback. He's not, he's not there yet. And he looks a little bit flummoxed. And, but I don't think it's all on him. Now, does he need to make plays on certain, on on some of these, these opportunities? Yeah. But some of them are like quick game and guys fall down. Like there's a, uh, there's a third, what is it? A third down? Uh, yeah, third and seven. And Logan Thomas is running a dig, like he's running a basic, and he falls. And that's where the ball should go. And th- because it's such a long developing route, it's like I can't reset. I can't get to my new thing. So I scramble and I end up taking a big hit. So I just think like to start the game out, I felt I felt for him a little bit watching it because I'm like, okay, you get a, a, a dink off Logan Thomas's helmet for an interception. And while that would be a tough catch, that's a definitely a catch Logan should make. Right. And then you go through and you're like, this guy fell down. This guy fell down. This guy slipped. This is a bad read. This is this guy on this deep comeback falls down. And so,
4: yeah, it, Curtis does a drop on the on the play before the interception.
3: Yeah. On the RPO, which would have been an easy first down. Like it was a really nice read by Sam. Talk about deleveraging your quarterback by EB. It was a it was a great play. Love that play. Drop the ball like and I think that's the thing that's really frustrating about the evaluations. You come out of it and you're like so much bad stuff happened to him so early in this game like for example there was a play i was watching where i'm like this is a good route this is just this is independent of people falling down jahan runs a good route right and it's like a comeback route a great job by jahan he's working on sauce and it would have been a really contested throw if you throw the comeback but i'm like the play before jahan had just fallen down so how confident is he that he can let this go into a tight window with sauce gardner draped over this guy's back and i just think like that stuff has a cumulative effect on the game and it and especially how it happened I think it's probably the first five, six plays, someone's yeah. falling, dropping a pass, and it just shakes you. And in this type of game um, versus this type of defense, the windows are going to be extremely tight. And you got to make confident throws with anticipation. And there are throws later where I'm like, you got to make this throw. Like, this is, you got to anticipate this throw, step in the pocket and throw this football. But I look back at the first, again, five, six, seven plays, and you're like, I understand why you're not because you don't have a lot of confidence that it's going to be there. And I think that's the thing that makes this game and makes this evaluation as a data point so frustrating. It's because the early the offense kind of kind of let them down a little bit. And again, there's that's not to say it's the receiver's fault or whatever. It's just guys – it's kind of like the, the special teams things. Like guys just didn't make plays when they had to make them. And I think it negatively affects Sam's outcome.
4: Yeah, it's um that's terrible turf up there at MetLife. Um, mostly noted as terrible for uh, injuries for injuries, but it just sucks. And like guys probably aren't confident running and cutting on it. And again, like they're professionals, they need to run the routes. They need to, they need to have the right technique in and out of breaks so, and and be on balance so they don't fall. Like all that stuff for sure. You need to catch it. Um, if you're Logan Thomas, you need to catch it. If you're Curtis Samuel. Um, but also like you see to, to you know, solidify your point. I, I, I'd like to present exhibit A, if you will. The second interception, the yeah. last pass he winds up throwing is like, say, you know, he might have been told like, hey man, you got to just trust it. You got to throw it. He throws it. It's a great call by EB. He's got Curtis lined up in the backfield. He gets Curtis one-on-one on a choice route on a linebacker and Sam puts the ball right where it's supposed to be. And Curtis slips and falls and thus the ball goes to the linebacker yeah. But you have to throw that with the anticipation as he's coming out of the break you don't know that he's about to slip you throw with the right anticipation all of a sudden the receiver doesn't go where he's supposed to be because he falls and the ball goes to the other team like yeah. it just sucks as a quarterback there's nothing you can do there his process is correct his result is bad and I feel for him because early in this game he was so let down that I think you're a hundred percent correct like and you could kind of see it happening, even watching it on TV and watching it live on TV. Nevertheless, when I rewatched the, the, the condensed game um, before watching, you know, the all 22 is like you just see it happening and you're just yeah. like this. This is a kid that shot and you think of all of the stuff that he's gone through this year. All the sacks he's taken, all the interceptions he's thrown, all this stuff. And eventually, like even the most resilient of people, and Sam Howell has shown an incredible resilience this year. It's something we've commented on and and really like about the kid. But even the most resilient of people eventually hit a breaking point. And it just feels like he is at that breaking point. And or at the very least, like he's walking on thin ice going into every game. And the last oh. couple of games, early, he's been the victim of bad circumstance, bad luck. And thus the ice breaks.
3: Yeah. And I think, you know, like, I think that's a great point about him kind of like low key being cooked a little bit. It's, it's, it's a tough thing to watch. Cause you see, I went back and watched some of his games from earlier this year. And he, again, there's some more space. There's, you know, there's more opportunity, but he's making elite throws. He's throwing into tight windows. He's anticipating throws. And it's not like he's anticipating, you know, the way, you know, a high level veteran quarterback anticipates, but like he's, he says, I know this is going to be there based on coverage. I'm going to fire the sucker in there. And to see that it's like, it's not even the same guy to a certain extent, you know? So there's been a pretty big, pretty big regression. And, you know, I, I mentioned this to you, like I was prepping for San Francisco and got to watch a lot of Brock Purdy stuff. And I think Brock Purdy gets this rap of kind of being a game manager. When you watch it, you're like, when he's got to make throws, he is dicing the defense. And it's, and it's in this kind of vein of like that, that, what elite quarterbacks do. He doesn't have to do it very often because they're so efficient running the football. And maybe that's a conversation that we can have later, you know, about yeah. like EB protecting him, whatever identity of this team. But, you know, there's a, there's a dig, I forget who they're playing and it's Tampa two. And he throws the ball, you know, in Tampa two, that Mike's running right down the middle of the field. Yeah. And there's an in cut and he throws it right to the back of the, the, the guy's head. And the receiver comes across and just grabs the ball right before the mic and turn all the way around. And I thought, that is a, that doesn't even look open to me. Like that doesn't even look NFL open, but great job. And he does that so consistently and he trusts his playmakers and guys go up and they're winning 50, 50 balls. And they found a way to get McCaffrey on a linebacker. And it's, and it's still like tight window, high level anticipation throws. And when Sam's been in there, you know, the past four weeks, that's just not a thing. Like the, the throws aren't there. And again, they've played better defenses, things are tighter. I think the last time we saw even a shade of that was versus um, was versus the, was Dallas in the first half. and it's been rough since then. And I think the other thing that shows up and, and kind of surprises me a little bit when I watch the Purdy film is the way that he works the middle of the field, and Sam has gotten away from that almost completely. So those are two things that I think are very large red flags regarding Sam's play. But in the context of this game, I think he never was able to kind of find his confidence, find his rhythm. And I think back to stuff Kyle used to do, Sean used to do when they were working with quarterbacks is let's get him a couple easy throws early, right? Make help his confidence grow. And that's a thing. And so in this game, you get two drops and one leads to an interception. And so how confident is that football player going into the rest of that game? And I would say not very.
4: So that was something that I wanted to ask you about because the play calling I think you know when I went back and watched it you know I'm ready to be mad and it's like ah they dropped him back a ton and it's like now there's quick game here they threw a couple as they got into like the third and fourth drives of the game I mean the third drive of the game um where he had had the the drop season and people falling down every play basically up until that point they start off with a screen and they get Curtis a big gain first down and you're like this is sick good job BB um and they start the next drive I believe with a screen to Terry and so they do, you know, screen it a little bit. They get the running game going, obviously, in this game a little bit. Chris Rodriguez was fantastic. I do wish they'd run it more. Obviously, that's a topic we've long covered. Yeah. But like they did, they did run it, and it feel like as, it felt like as they got deeper into drives, then they would revert to more drop back. It was like, all right, drive starter, bang. All right, let's keep it going on the ground, bang. Even there was, I think, it's the third drive of the game. They ran it twice in a row, and I was like,
3: ho. Oh yeah looky there looky there i think it's the fourth driver it was the fourth drive, the 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 fourth first drive? The s- screen and then two runs right is that what you're yeah, talking about yeah,
4: yeah 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 that drive whatever number that was math has yeah. never been my strong suit i mean Point is, third
3: fourth yeah. the, the third was a three and out, so i understand why they're oh, okay. like okay yeah maybe together. it was drive,
4: drive four drive
3: five that was the
4: the screen to curtis and then drive five was a screen to terry right. um, by the way how often do you have like five six drives in the first quarter yeah i mean <laughs> crazy bad. um but anyway anyway um I felt like as they got deeper into drives, there was a as they started to like get a little bit going offensively. Obviously, they never really got much going with Sam in there, but they would get deeper in these drives, and then they would revert to drop back. Um, and maybe there's a play action in there. But I, I'm just curious what you made of of Eb's attempts to get him out of that funk. Um, and from you know, from a play calling standpoint, from a rhythm standpoint, from a you know, hey, let's take some off your plate and run the football standpoint. Would you? Would you make of that?
3: Yes, I think that fourth drive is interesting because I think it's it's exactly what you're talking about. You get some positive momentum, uh, you get that screen, uh, <clears throat> you get that screen to Curtis, which again is well executed. Love the offensive line getting out there, like Wiley. I mean, you see the advantage of having a guy like Wiley out there who's just hyper mobile, like hyper athlete, gets out into space, does a great job. And I, and I think you know, like that's why you brought this guy in is because he's he's a good athlete and he and he does some stuff in the run game later where I was like man, I, I think that's extremely high level, you know? So, yeah. and again, he gives up the sack. Unfortunately,
4: I think that fourth drive also ends with him getting smoked around the edge.
3: He, has a, he gives up a sack. And, you know, usually yeah. we're pretty, we're, we're kind of like, uh, we're kind of saying like, oh, you know, Wiley's not playing as bad as people think. And I think when you look at the course of the 61 plays of this game, he played pretty well, but that sack's on him. And I think he'll right. tell you that, right? He right, and that's the thing hands. is like,
4: can you make yeah. key plays at key times? Right. But anyway... No, no. And
3: I, I think, no, that's a great point on, on him specifically. And I think, uh, the first, first and 10 is, is a play that I like. I like the play. Like if you said, Logan, draw this play up. Why are you calling it? Do you like it? It's basically a way for them to get to play action stuff. It's a play action concept off a drop back. And so it just allows them to get more eligibles out. They've got chip help on both sides. They've got another element to it. So basically it's a post by this receiver on the right. I forget who it is. It might be Terry deep post a high cross across the middle of the field kind of attacking that void where you're hoping coverage carries the post and then so usually that's what you get in a play action concept right and everything yep. else is kind of dead because I run that play is- on Madden all the yeah, time tight ends the high cross in. is always open and and they ran it versus um gosh they ran it versus uh, uh Miami and that was the one where Leno didn't block the, the free runner. And he kind of mm. had to put the ball up to Terry. So they added an element. It's not off play action anymore. They've got a third element where they're running like a big swirl route coming into the void that could potentially be vacant. So love it. I mean, it's it's there. It's, it's a really nice concept. Um, and I just, I, I remember thinking like, why doesn't this work? And everything's tight. There's tight window throws across the board. And I think you're asking him in that moment, to do probably more than he's ready to do. And again, that's not saying that he's physically incapable of doing it. But based on that concept, the reason that it's great is you're saying, I'm going to read the post kind of high cross space. If that's dead, I can either check the football down to the flat or I can work this swirl that's coming back into my vision. But you got to work through it kind of quick. And it's Mm -hmm. just not it's, he just, I don't think he's there right now. Like just watching him. I don't think he's there right now. So then it's second. Then it ends up being second and 10 and you run a choice, which I think is a great call, like run a choice or like a CEO. I forget what it was, but like some, something short, something to kind of incrementally gain back that yardage that you've lost. And I, I remember thinking to myself, like you have Byron Pringle running the corner of a choice, right? So it's like a, a choice is usually like you get an outside release corner, pick this coverage player so that the, um, that the choice runner can kind of give more space to work and i'm like i know and 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 in my mind i'm like he's gonna work the choice side um sam so why not put terry at the corner like why not have him draw that matchup and work that corner out so your high level throw or your, your two level throw is choice to corner and terry's running the corner where you get a guy who's gonna and so like there were times like that where i'm like this is good concept like the call but kind of to your point and i think you brought it up quite a bit is like can we formation this where our playmakers are going to be in the progression to that side. And, and, and I, there are reasons not to do that, but I'm also like at this point, let's try to find ways to get that done. And so then you're in a third and long situation. You run an, uh, an Omaha takeoff. So an out and up Curtis yeah. wins, like he's open. Like, and I, yes. you know, I'm not a big fan of like straight vertical routes into a defense, but they're in a tight split. They run this out and up. Curtis is wide open and you give up a sack. So, uh, I think, it's when you look at that you say i like the first i like the play the first time i like the second play sam i don't think is in a good spot to read that out the way it needs to be read out and then i think on the on the choice um he misses the throw but i think someone trips or slips or something like that and it ends up being third and 10 so you had this really excellent momentum explosive run explosive screen and then it just immediately dries up and dies and that's just yeah that's tough so
4: I was wondering what happened on that second down play because he just throws the ball like
3: out of range for Pringle. And yeah. if
4: someone slipped underneath on choice and he just kind of got rid of it to Pringle, because he's double covered. Yeah. Um, that would, that makes a lot of sense. Cause you got nothing. Um, I also think that's one of the other things that is worth pointing out is the way like he vacated a ton of clean pockets in this game. And, and like the way when Jacoby comes in, Jacoby extends plays versus the way Sam extends plays. Yeah, And I think, you know, in some ways, he's a victim of his own success. Earlier in the year, he had so much success running out of the pocket and making plays off schedule. That's
3: and something like, we talked about is like, is this yeah. going to be a crutch and a bad habit? And I remember watching, I think it was the Patriots game, he's making explosive plays. And you're like, he's leaving too early. And yes. is this something that's going to bite him in the butt down the road? And this consider is- him bitten. Yes, right.
4: So, yeah, I don't know how much there is to add there. But, like, you watch – you know, when we start talking about, which we're going to in a moment, the differences when Brissett comes in and what Jacoby does versus what Sam does, Jacoby's willingness to stay in the pocket, obviously Jacoby's veteran ability to throw with anticipation. Um, but the way that Jacoby moves within the pocket and the way that he has a sense of it – because there are times where, like, he, one of the plays that we already talked about was when – I think it was the second drive of the game – when he rolls out and he gets absolutely blasted and the, he nearly it looks very similar to the uh the pick to logan obviously the logan uh play is a designed rollout, but like that same like he's rolling to his left hard and then takes a shot um and this is the one where the ball pops straight up in the air and luckily falls to the turf but he gets blasted he's not under pressure like he just runs into pressure but and that's... i think i think that to to like make a point that we've been making all year when we say that this offensive line is not the worst in the NFL, and we say this offensive line is playing okay, that they are an average offensive line, one, go look at the rushing stats, yards per yeah. carry, I'll say it again, they're, they're doing well. Um, two, and by the way, they're doing well in spite of the fact that neither of us really like the way they scheme up their run game. They just yeah. they hit blocks uh, with consistency, enough well, consistency, yeah. and their backs are doing a good enough job. Um, and then two, I think, you know, more importantly to the pass game stuff, If you create a pocket and your quarterback's in it and he's safe and he runs out of it and runs into pressure, that's not the offensive line's fault. And that is what happened five, six, seven times in this game easy.
3: Yeah. And on that play specifically, that's the one where Logan's running the dig. They're basically set up the play so that his eyes should go to Logan. And I think he's doing the right thing. His eyes are going to Logan over the middle field. And Logan trips and he falls down. And so right when Logan falls, and this is what you can tell when a guy's not in a good spot. Is right when Logan trips, the ball comes down. It's like, where do I go with the ball? And there's a comeback, there's some other opportunities, but it's that's you gotta have that composure. And you've seen Jacob or you saw Jacoby last week. You know, he was expecting to work Logan over the middle of the field It wasn't there. He had to reset and throw, uh, throw the the kind of slot comeback to Curtis Samuel. And I just think there's a there's an element of composure to Jacoby's game, which comes from experience, which comes from not getting hit a thousand times or whatever it was 55 55 sacks whatever that number is and so yeah. on this play I think it's just, it just it shows kind of to me where his head's at right you get two drops you get that other one where number where um where the next play first and 10 on this drive Jahan falls down yep. okay not there for the throw Logan falls down on the third and seven and the, he's not in a spot where he's confident enough to be like okay I know what to do let me just get there yeah. he's he's he's, he's I don't want to say because I think this he's seeing ghosts a little bit and I think that that's that's part of the issue that you were talking about or you've been talking about for the last four weeks is like when you leverage this guy to the hilt all the time like it's not going to be he's not a he's not a veteran that can handle this responsibility and you've leveraged him to the hilt and he's starting to kind of wither a little bit and how do you kind of get him back on track is is going to be the million dollar question going to the rest of the season
4: yeah and just real quick a note on that before we ask the question of like what to do next this is happening to patrick mahomes right now too um like patrick mahomes for the first time probably in his entire career as a starter is so i mean he's leveraged which is fine because he's patrick mahomes and and they are not the same patrick is still doing incredible stuff each and every week but like you can see when you watch even the 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 TV, you know, stuff. I'm not going back and watching all 22 Chiefs tape just in case anyone yeah, is worried about either. my well being. Um, but like, you see Travis Kelsey open underneath. Like you see some of the stuff available to him, and he's starting to just like be like, I got to make a play. I got to I got to get the ball downfield because I can't trust my guys to, to catch right. the ball on a consistent right. basis. And it's it's start and also like his demeanor. Like he is starting to break a little bit in a way that we've never seen Patrick Mahomes break. And I I think. Mahomes will be just fine. Um, They'll probably win a couple of playoff games. Like their defense is playing outrageous, and that's why they're still competitive. Um, But you see, you see Mahomes dealing with this on a Mahomesian level. I can't imagine what it's like to be Sam Howell right now dealing with this at his level. And because, oh, by the way, also, you don't have. Uh, you know the relationship that you have with the Travis Kelsey with anybody you don't have a great defense that's playing at a top five level that that you know is going to keep you in the game like the pressure of that is so so immense and it is certainly withering down Sam Howell if not straight up have broken him which leads to the inevitable question of what do you do now for the Commanders at quarterback. Logan, I am on record. Uh, I said this in, in the post-game show, which I know you listen to, and I've, I've talked about this on the radio as well. I would start Jacoby Brissett against San Francisco. I would then probably, I don't know what the circumstance would be. I'm sure if like Jacoby goes out and plays a perfect game, it would feel pretty dirty to, to then bench him again. But I would, in all likelihood, start Jacoby against San Francisco, start Sam again against Dallas, with the reason being, you can't bench him a third time and go back to him he could use a extended reset I think he could use a full game of watching Jacoby prepare and and play and see how it plays out and then at the end of the season if you play him against Dallas and you have to bench him again like the season's over who cares all right no. Jacoby go land the plane uh thanks for thanks for everything and then and then everybody exits uh holding hands because none of them are coming back um but at the end of the day like I just think for his safety because he is so you know he's so not in it right now mentally it's not for lack of effort whatever I don't even even know the phrasing I want to use cooked if you want to use the word you used earlier right he's so cooked right now that you you just can't put him out there again and especially against this defense but really against any NFL defense I would not I would not expose him to that that's where I'm at what would you do?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably, I would do something similar. And I was just trying to empathize and kind of put myself in EB's spot or Ron's spot and what they want to do. And I do think, you know, there is a motivation by Ron that he wants to leave a legacy here. And I think there's a guy in Sam who's talent enough, talented enough to do that. It's just about how you make sure that he's showing that at a critical part of the year. And so um, I think there's going to be a motivation from Ron to get him back out there. But to your point, like I've started watching the San Fran stuff and i was watching uh, the minnesota game because that's the game that they gave up the most yards and you know really struggled and you're looking at extremely tight window throws high level anticipation by Kirk cousins before he hurts himself in that game and you're just like this is the the antithesis of what sam is right now and so if we put him out there and we can't effectively move the football um offensively running or with screens or whatever because this defense is they're, they're ripping to the ball man they're really well coached they're very confident And, um, you know, Fred Warner's a beast, all that kind of stuff. It's, I don't know, based on these last four weeks of production, how he even functions, how the offense even functions with him at the helm. So I think you owe it to the rest of the guys in the roster to basically be like, Hey man, we're going with Jacoby. And just to be clear, it's not like Jacoby's like the second coming in terms of quarterback play. Like he made it. I don't know, man.
4: First five drives of the season, all (laughs) touchdowns. What more do you want?
3: Yeah. I mean, tight window throw to Logan Thomas on the Skinner on the, on the post route really excellent and that's a that's a throw that i don't think sam makes right now and i think right. that's the difference he's the confidence the delivery like sam's physically capable of doing that obviously we've seen him do that earlier in the year right. but he's just not doing it right now because i think there's you know like he's cooked a little bit and so that's a good good throw by jacoby then he throws a stick route to terry and terry makes a great play then they get a dpi And so it wasn't like he was out there just dealing and dicing people up. And he, he had his own struggles against this defense. I'm talking about um, Jacoby. And I think Jacoby would, I think he gives you the best chance to win against San Francisco. Um, I think he gives you the best chance to look good offensively, but don't get it twisted. It's not like it's going to come out in this offense. It's going to look great because they create a ton of pressure. They've got an excellent defensive line. They've got an excellent, the, the secondary I think is underrated in terms of how effectively they operate. So I don't expect like a miracle is what I'm saying. I think you'll see more productive. So for the draft
4: position people, which is not what Ron's thinking about at all. um, You're not risking winning, like more risking winning, if you will, than if Sam is out there, but it's still Jacoby Brissett and the Washington commanders versus the San Francisco 49ers. Like, come on.
3: And, you know, they got embarrassed uh, on, what was that, Christmas they got embarrassed? Yeah. yeah, And they're going to come out and be ready to rock and roll. There's no doubt in my mind. They're going to use that as a a springboard because that's what good teams do. So I I look at that and I say, uh, in terms of Sam, I I probably feel comfortable starting Jacoby the last two games of the year. Like, I really would. Because it's like he he has just regressed so badly at this point. It doesn't do anybody any favors. And unless, like, in practice or – You know, during the week, you kind of feel like he's found his rhythm again. He's more confident. Uh, Maybe you play him against Dallas. Maybe you feel like, hey, we can get him in for the second half of San Francisco when the score, when we're down by 15 points, whatever that looks like. But I don't think right now, after watching this game and after watching the last couple of games, that he's in a very good spot to play football.
4: I want to address something real quick that you'll have great insight on because you were here for it. Um, I had a caller yesterday that was basically like, you got to find out what he is. You got you to keep playing him. You got to see if he can get through this. And my retort to that is that's actually not, like he is not preordained to be something as an NFL quarterback. It is not right. inevitable that he will be good or bad. The way that you treat him will help shape whether he is good or bad in the future. And benching him might be beneficial because if, he is, if he's cooking and he's not cooked, then you can save him from becoming cooked and that could actually be the thing that that works out for his future the best as opposed to you know letting him play through it you're actually just torturing him more and the thing that i'm going to reference that or the guy that i'm going to reference that you were here for is kirk kirk got benched multiple times in 2013 and 2014 before ultimately becoming the starter in 2015. Like, what do you remember from those ins and outs? And obviously, there was a lot going on with the quarterback position then, with Robert being the, the focal point. Colt um, played some good ball in that time as well, and kind of left here sour that he he was the only guy that didn't get benched because of injury, um, or that oh, didn't get benched because of performance. He only got sat because of injury, and right. he never really got a fair shot again. Um, but for Kirk specifically, the guy who it worked out for uh, in the NFL, what... What do you think he took out of those? What do you remember from those times that he's on the sideline and for getting benched in 2013, 2014, that ultimately plays out in his his favor a long-term?
3: Yeah. I mean, obviously Kirk is a guy that is kind of wired the right way and built the right way and does things the right way and is motivated to be great. Uh, but there were times like where you're, you're on the sideline, you're t- you hear the coaches talking to him, you're in the huddle and you're just, you get a sense that he's not seeing it very well he's not comfortable with what he's looking at and so you bench him and i think in those opportunities you kind of uh, the coaches identified that he was having an issue that the offense was having an issue and that the change needed to be made and i do think if they had left him in in those situations like knowing kirk at that time in his life that would have cascaded into something terrible like you know we're talking he had multiple interception games we're talking four or five, six interceptions. Cause that's just how his process was. He was kind of so high strung in those moments. And I think the coaches save him, they save him from making a drastic mistake, drastic, uh, kind of failures and that it allows him to grow in a somewhat healthy way. And I think when you look at his process and how it grew, like those things shape that. And so that's one thing about Sam this year, that I think a lot of people were, you know, in in retrospect, we're we're rightfully worried about is like maybe it's too much too soon giving him the starting role. Like let Jacoby be the guy, let him run the ship for a little bit. It'll get to a point where Jacoby should, you know, is going to have an issue. And then Sam comes in and and plays out the rest of the year and it kind of lets you kind of establish who you want to be offensively. It lets you kind of see the issues you're having in terms of offensive line or, or whatever, right? And you get a guy who can emotionally and mentally handle that. And I think that there's value to it and so i think the fact that they did it the other way which there's nothing wrong with that decision but this is a possible issue with that is that you get in a you get in a situation where a young player is not playing confident football and i and i think kirk is a great example of a guy who kind of had little little downs like little down slopes they stop the slide they preserve his confidence they get him back in there and so it's kind of like the stock market it it might look like a bad a bad data point but ultimately that thing trended positively for a very long time, you know, like over the course of his career. And now he's, he was playing like one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL this year. So I think that that, that's something that, again, I think back to is like, it's just how you handle the individual and Kirk, as you know, Kirk is kind of like that. And I think that worked really well for him. Would it have worked well for Sam? Is it going to work well for Sam? I have no idea.
4: Yeah, I see. I trust Sam's resilience in getting benched to not bother him long term. I right. don't trust him to find it without this hard reset. Like that's yeah. kind of my thing. Is like I think the best thing for Sam, he's not going to be like, "Oh, my career is over. I suck because I got benched." He's going to be like, "Okay, I finally get to breathe." <laughs> like that. I think that's important in knowing that. Yeah. I don't. I, I don't know. I think. I think the conversation that you just you know hypothesized with starting Jacoby earlier is a really interesting one. I don't want to do revisionist history, though, no. and pretend like, you know, when we talk no. about Sam being better than Jacoby for much of training camp, like, that was true, um, I think, for for most of camp. like it, I, think, there, there I, think,
3: was... I think that's the thing, though, about him, and I think what you're seeing now, and again, it's, it's hindsight's twenty twenty. so I'm not, sure. this is not a criticism of the staff, because I think this is how I felt, is definitely yeah. the ceiling of Sam Howell was much higher. His, his physical ability was good, and you saw him do enough of kind of like the minutia to feel good about it. But when you watch Jacoby against Baltimore, against the defense in practice, and he's able to identify coverages and get the ball out Mm -hmm. and identify protections and that stuff that is now, I think, becoming a little bit of an issue week in and week out. The ability to anticipate throws at a high level, like all that kind of like, but They were
4: close or, enough that it like wasn't crazy.
3: No, that, and that's that's what I'm saying. It's like, but yeah. the stuff that Jacoby was doing better is something you'd expect a veteran to be doing better with, right? And yeah. those are things that Sam is still having a hard time with because it's hard to develop those skill sets in season. Um, you know, the anticipation, the tight window throws, the protections, understanding when you're hot, all those things Jacoby was significantly better at. But in terms of high level arm talent dynamic release pushing the ball down the field tight window like you know where i'm a little off platform throwing that football it's all sam in that regard so physically you saw but i do think that it's that other kind of that like kind of nuts and bolts of playing the quarterback position where we haven't seen the improvement that i think we all were hoping he has improved but let me let me back he has improved but not he's not at Jacoby's level with that stuff just yet.
4: For sure. And we thought, you know, I know it's hard to do in season, but you figure with some experience, like he will oh, learn yeah. and and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it's I think just... we also
3: thought that they weren't going to, that the, the offensive play calling and the offensive philosophy was going to be a little bit more conservative. And I think early in the season, I was kind of surprised at how effective this really aggressive approach was. But I think it kind of also led to, like kind of this false reality a little bit basically saying like, Oh, he's done this. He can do it as opposed to saying, maybe we should have started with something a little bit different that helps kind of mitigate some of the risk that this offense is exposed to. And again, that's one of those things that's really hard to do because the defense didn't live up to billing and you're in these shootout games every single week. So very complicated, you know, obviously hindsight's 2020, but I do think that having that kind of steady pace of Jacoby in there is going to be uh, a significant bump. So.
4: Yeah, for sure. I'm currently searching my notes for too much. And I'm like, when did I start talking about them running the ball too much? Cause it was early in the season when things were working. And that, that was kind of, that's always kind of been my thing. Is like the bigger mistake wasn't starting Sam over Jacoby. It was how they've played with Sam this year from a play calling and approach standpoint. They've leveraged him too much. And in some ways, like the worst thing that happened was it worked early. And and so they they were like, oh, yeah, this is good. We're going to be able to play through this. We're going to win some football games, and Sam's going to get better. And it's like, no, 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 no. You're getting lucky. You're getting lucky. And you caught certain teams at the right time and all of that stuff. So um, that is what it is. So we both agree we would start Brissette at the very least versus San Francisco. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's a question at this point. Okay. Uh, Well, we're recording this at uh, 8.15 in the morning on Wednesday, December 27th, sometime around 4 p.m. today. Ron Rivera will announce that. So uh, if uh, that press conference hasn't happened by four o'clock, we will carry it live on the Hoffman Show. And if uh, if it has, then Chris Russell will carry it live. So there you go.
6: Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today.
5: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot,
1: And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. All
4: right, wrapping up, Take Command. We will be live back at Tap Sports Bar this weekend, MGM National Harbor. Come hang out with us for the Take Command pregame show. Logan will be back. Uh, very subdued uh, Linnell this weekend, by the really? way. Really? You get, you get a pregame kind of groggy Linnell. Much more, much more, in the lines than an in-game or a post-game Leno. When he's fired up, his anxiety is built.
3: Yeah, it was. Yeah, we had like, a good time. Well, I used to do that uh, that in-game show with him where we were kind of reviewing. Um, yeah, things as they and, happen. Yes, and he would get so up and so down, but it was it was fun. That it's perfect yeah. for that kind of thing, but. That's, sure. It's funny that he he can like turn it on, turn it off. I think so.
4: Yeah. Uh, so we we had a good time, but uh, Logan is back this weekend. So uh come come celebrate or get your New Year's Eve celebration started with us uh, at Tap Sports Bar, MGM National Harbor on Sunday. 10 a.m. is when the show starts. Doors open if you want to come hang out in person at 11. All right, Logan. Quickly to wrap up the podcast here, the defense. Um, they didn't have a chance in the first half uh, no. because they did not have to, they did not get to line up on the right side of the 50 until the fourth drive of the game. That's crazy. Truly nuts. You had the turnovers, you had the block punt, you had a pretty poor punt by Tressway. I didn't even put that in the special teams notes earlier. Um, and then, and then eventually they, they were on the right side of the 50. Um, by that point, they'd given up some points because of course they had even with holds, you're giving up field goals there. Um, they do give up the explosive to Brees Hall. Then they pitch a shutout to the very end in the second half. So you see a a mixed bag. Um, I felt like they were playing faster, more physical. Like, I I actually liked a lot of what I saw on defense um, outside of Benjamin St. Juice continually getting picked on, uh, but we can talk about that in a a second. Overall, big high-level thoughts on the defense. How how did you come down in this game?
3: I mean, they're playing better um, than they were, which is good, like, it's good to see guys like Percy Butler flying the football. I love watching Quan Martin. I like, you know, he's not always in the right spot. He's not always doing the right thing, but he is a physical, aggressive, passionate football player. That is, I, I, I love watching him play. Like he, there's a play I forget. They're running a duo out of a bunch, and the receivers coming to crack him because he's the nickel player. And he like literally like bench presses this dude over the like it was. You get like that that gets gives me chills thinking about it. Um, you know, I think, uh, you got some better rushes from James Smith Williams and Casey to this week. You can tell they worked through it. They've been working really hard on that. So great job by them. I thought John and Duran flashed a little bit. I think I'd still like to see Duran catch some rushes from the edge, you know, especially after effect, how effective it was in the one opportunity he had versus LA. (laughs) Um, Cody Barton, he's just a guy that I think you see why they brought him here. Like the elevation of the position and how he elevates people around him. So, like, that's been awesome. The interception, he had a really nice pass breakup in the red zone. Like, he's he's a he's a good football player. He, he, I think he's not quite as effective in the run, but I think he's doing yeah. what he's supposed to do, and he's elevating the guys around him. So, like, that's fantastic. Kendall Fuller, I think. Yeah, I think just real quick go, on Cody. Yep.
4: Like, I think you either need to get a stud middle linebacker and you can keep Cam Curl and, and kind of that secondary group together, or you need a stud communicator at safety and you can live with Barton and Davis.
3: Well, I think that's the thing is like, uh, that's a great point. Like when you watch Cody, like he, his level of communication has elevated everybody in that front. And I think you just need that same level of communication in the back end. And I think, I think Cam Crow's a really good football player, but he's not quite that mouthpiece that I think this defense needs at the moment. And I think that's where you see some of the issues not 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 because of him, but because stylistically, they don't have anybody that's this really great communicator in the back end that's getting people on the same page. So but I, I so Cody gets a lot of credit. Khalid gets a lot of credit. like he just plays much as I was talking about Quan. he just plays hard, man. and it's not always in the right spot. It's not always perfect, but he's flying to the football. he plays with great energy, plays with great emotion. Love that Mayo I thought did some really good stuff like in his role, like when they're in these heavy run formations, like that's what Mayo's good at get him out there does a great job so um i think obviously not a perfect game they i think they were but they were pretty close in terms of but they were
4: also leveraged to the hilt man they, yeah. they pff had him at 90
3: snaps dude 91 is what i had yeah and um so 100 and like you're just 85 think, 85
4: official snaps when, when you take out the penalties and stuff 85 and think, official plays in the and game. and i
3: think one of the things you look at there is you're like they they are doing a good job, but then there's these situations on third and seven where they throw a hitch to um, Garrett Wilson and he makes a guy miss and gets a first down. And, like, you've done everything. It's third and seven. Like, you've won yeah. the first two downs of this. Are you talking
4: about the one where Quan nearly picks it and then – or is that, that was, because it happened multiple times. It happened twice or three times, right? Yes, yeah. Yeah, so that was I one mean, of like, them. And, like, quan's so close. And you're right. like, yeah. And even and if it, he like, tries to go for the tackle instead of the pick. Like and it like surprises
3: fine. him. Like the ball's in there, and he, it's like, yeah. oh, it's like you're right here, and those those things happen. But I think the fact that there was multiple missed tackles that led to extensions of drives, like you mentioned that 90 or 85 plays, whatever we settled on there, yeah. um, I think that's something that I'd still like to get fixed. But I think the the catastrophic um, mistakes have come way way down. We can talk about that run real quick that's um that's like a duo and that's kind of a new run i'd say in the last two years so basically you get the tight end off the ball to the right and instead of running duo to the tight end side which is to the right you bring him across the formation he kicks out the fullback who's also a tight end leads up and so basically the way the reason that run is so effective is you set the strength of your defensive line to the tight end so you put your three technique to the tight end and by structuring it that way you have a shade to the weak side so someone who's lined up on the outside shoulder of the center so there's a natural bubble there between the the tackle who in this case is deron Payne, and the defensive end who's casey two so there's you've created space so there's nobody over the tackle and that's by design because you're not expecting them to run over there when you do this quick change of strength motion you can't adjust the shade to a three technique it makes a really easy down block for the tackle a really good line to the linebacker and then barton is getting kicked out in a lead situation where he's scraping over the top kind of avoiding the tackle makes it easier block and then you got to get benjamin st juice to fit that run so um i think like that's a good play design they've seen that play before they fit it better but when you run that behind makai becton who's maybe one of the best run blocking tackles in the nfl like you're going to get some movement there's going to be some space and Brees hall when you give him space is going to have a pretty successful day so there's that but outside of that and the dpi's I mean that was another thing that drove me nuts watching by yeah. um, by St. two of them like those extend drives in significant mm-hmm. ways and there's a couple situations where to his credit and again I know a lot of people want not give him credit like he'll make a nice PBU he'll make yep. a nice tackle and and it's all him like you you're in second and you're in third and ten because of him and then they're in first and ten from first and goal because of a DPI that you gave up so. I think there has been an improvement in his play, but there's still these blemishes that you kind of look through. Like he had a great PBU in the red zone that's that keeps a touchdown off the board. You're like, great job, Benjamin St. Just, but then you have those two other ones that extend drives, right. and one's a chunk, chunk explosive play. Quite frankly, so.
4: Yeah, I just to me, I was incredibly frustrated. One because they keep like it's the same thing we talked about all year. If Benjamin St. Just is a good football player, okay, great, but he's not. A number one corner, quit putting him on number one receivers. And, you know, Garrett Wilson is torturing him. And you're just like, okay, this is preventable. Why, why are we doing this? So that's thing one. Thing two, I can't imagine being Ron Rivera as the def- defensive coordinator, Ron Rivera, and having my number one overall pick that I was so excited about on the bench and watching uh, teams every single week pick on a guy who is out there trying his damnedest, and he's making some plays, yeah. but there's an inevitability to it because he's only so good. And you like you can't get caught up in the good that Benjamin has and be like, oh, well, the bad will just disappear. No, they're both going to happen. And right. the, the bad is is inevitable. So, like, you have Emmanuel Forbes. What are you doing? I, I don't know what Emmanuel Forbes did or is doing to Ron Rivera in practice yeah. or during the week or whatever, but it is inexcusable at this point in the season to me um based off what we know and I will reserve I I will caveat it by saying there could be something happening in the building for all I know like Emmanuel runs around in practice with his pants on his head or something I don't know whatever the hell he could be doing during the week but unless there's something crazy in which case he shouldn't be dressing and like you should suspend him Right. right but if unless there's something crazy happening there's no reason in a lost season in these games to not have Forbes out there and I think Emmanuel played pretty well once he got in. I know that Rom was like, oh, well, there's still some things we have to clean up. No kidding. He's a rookie. But, like, give him the chance to do it. You can't do what you've done to Sam on one one end and then take your first-round pick from this year on the other and take a completely opposite, different approach. Like, that, I think that's one of the things that really frustrates me about this regime is, like, who gets the discipline? Who gets the—like, there's no consistency in how they treat players. And it it seems like some of the defensive guys and their first-round picks especially have really gotten the raw end of that deal over the years. Jamin, I feel like, yeah. got that a couple of years ago. Emmanuel's getting it now. And there's just no consistency. And I would imagine that's not great within the locker room. But I think more importantly, like, larger picture, I don't think it's good for the player's development. And uh, I, I also think it's not fair to Benjamin. Like, quit quit making him be in positions that is that are bad. And just all in all, when there's a solution that, that, that that's obviously present, um, or that obviously present in Emmanuel. Like, I just, I don't get it. I I can't possibly
3: get it. And I think to, to that point and just to kind of flesh that out, I think back to training camp and they had it right. I think they said Benjamin St. Juice is going to be the nickel. You know, Forbes is going to play outside. Fuller's is going to play outside. And I think we kind of like, that's weird. Why not fuller at the nickel and St. Juice playing outside. But I think that's seems to be his home seems to be where he's more comfortable and he does a good job there. So. Think about, you're kind of taking him out of this role where he's he's comfortable, he's playing well, and he's playing outside now all the time. And I don't I don't really understand it because, you know, Quan was a guy that I thought was struggling a little bit more than Forbes, and he's played, and he's played well. And I'm kind of, it'd be interesting to talk to somebody about that, about why there's been this reluctance to play him. Obviously, the injury is maybe still a thing, but ultimately, I think you want to see him out there. And it kind of reminds me of like when you have like a, like a running back who's very, very talented, but is not good at picking up the blitz. And like, they can't play. Like they literally, you cannot put them on the field because they don't know what they're doing when they're picking up blitzes. And so people can say all they want, oh, they're struggling, whatever. Like, I don't care. He can't play because on if, anytime there's a pass, if he screws it up, unless you're Adrian Peterson, let's be very clear, right? right? Like like you're the best running back of all time. So I I don't know enough about quarterback play and like kind of how that goes to say, what is that thing? But it feels like there's something like that happening because each week it's like there's some stuff we got to clean up like what is that thing that would be so detrimental that he can't play is it run fits because this you know the corners have to tackle a lot here he struggled with that early in the season so sure but
4: like he was good in that area on sunday and uh benjamin st juice was the guy who needed to to clean up on the touchdown
3: so i I just would be curious again to kind of get more insight on that perspective because i think I will say this about Ron. He does a really good job of not calling guys out in the media unless he has to. Unlike, you know, you mentioned Jack Del Rio and Jamin Davis, like he had no problem doing that. Ron is not going to do that. So I want to know what that thing is. What is the thing that needs to get cleaned up and how significant is it? Because if it's something that's very significant to their new defensive identity, then yeah. But, But what is it? You know, like, why don't you just say, like, then, he's having a hard time with.
4: Coach it up for him.
3: Yeah. Like, no, no, I'm not saying, I'm not saying, yeah. I'm sure they are coaching yeah, yeah. it up. I'm not being critical of that, but I'm just saying, like, I think yeah. he's, he, you know, he's doing, and we're on like, the a, same page. Yeah. He's yeah. doing a thing where he's like holding something close to the vest, probably trying to protect the player. But like, could it be my, my question, I guess is on the scale of what is the level of significance? Like you're a running back who can't pick up a blitz. That's pretty significant. Are you a cornerback? Who's not the best at tackling in the run game? that seems less significant to me, but what is that thing? And I'm just curious to know what it is. I would love to know.
4: Yeah. would love to know. Cause the results say that Forbes has been good for, you know, in very limited action since the new England game. Like right. what are we, what are we doing? Um, and, and also he said, g- and
3: he's had an injury to be fair. For so, sure. Like, for sure. But
4: like, I, I guess I just look at it as like, Ron's like, I have to leave my legacy. I have to do this with Sam. I have to do it. It's like, bro, this was the guy that you were on draft morning in your car that you put out in, you know, after you took him. Oh, Forbes is our guy. Like, okay, then play him. Right. Like, you got him. You got your guy. Let's see him. Let's see let's see your first round pick. Um, and like like you said with Quan like what is it that Quan's doing that they're all in on Quan and, and letting him play that Emmanuel's not? I don't I don't get it. Um but who knows? We'll see what happens. BSJ uh, injured in this game, obviously, which is why Emmanuel came in. Um, he and many others, uh, long list of injuries that Ron is going to give updates on on Wednesday, uh, so we'll see how those guys are shaping up for San Francisco. We are going to preview San Francisco uh, and what they do uh, coming up on our next podcast. Uh, Also working on a a very fun guest that, uh, actually, I'll even say the guest. We don't know for sure that we're going to get him this week, but for sure in the near future, Jim Nagy, uh, the senior executive director of the Senior Bowl, is going to join us. Uh, He's obviously got a great view on all the college prospects, but also uh, he's been tweeting out about, Some of the front office folks who are maybe not general managers, but director of uh, pro personnel, director of college scouting type of GM candidates that Jim has gotten to know real well over the years down in Mobile. Uh, so we will talk to Jim Nagy coming up soon uh, amongst other guests here on the take command podcast. Uh, I'll see you all on the radio uh, until the next episode of this here show. Uh, also make sure you subscribed If you haven't, uh, we're going to have so much coverage of all the off season stuff, all the, the uh, presumed changes coming, et cetera. So now is good time to get on board as ever, as we survive the next couple of weeks together. Uh, that's Logan. I'm Craig. We'll see you next time on the take command
3: podcast.
6: Have you heard of Nordic Knots? The Scandinavian rug company that has become the insider brand gracing some of the most beautiful homes around the world. With rug designs by some of the world's leading designers and a signature collection of wool and jute rugs in modern colors. But Nordic Knots is not just about great design. Their mission is to make quality rugs that last with no compromises. Goodweave certified handmade pieces woven in all natural materials. At NordicKnots.com, it's easy to find a rug that's just right. A curated collection in lots of colors and sizes to choose from. Even custom sizes are possible. So, whether you're the type who loves the understated elegance of their luxury essentials or the bold statements from their top designer collaborations, you can't really go wrong. Oh, and don't tell anyone, but right now, you can get a free sample with the code INNERCIRCLE. NordicKnots.com.